0: Good morning. Pray with me. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. The hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So go the words of Jesus, his response to Andrew and Philip, who've come giving voice to the Greeks. Out of curiosity or great need, the Greeks have come and Jesus doesn't grant them a personal audience, rather, He gets down to business, beginning with the centrality time for for the critical shift in perspective that demanded of those who choose to believe, who say they want to see. Whether they've come to scratch an intellectual itch or to satisfy a burning desire to witness the many rumored miracles swirling around Galilee at that time, they'd do well to consider their motives. Without saying so, Jesus seems to make it plain. Do you really want to know or are you just asking? If you aren't serious, the trip might not be worth your time. This isn't about being a spectator. It's about bearing witness. It isn't simply about seeing. Because if you really want to know, this moment is about so much more than a sideshow. The stories they'd heard. In this moment, a portal opens and at its entrance, Jesus simultaneously foretells the culmination of the next few days and lays out the path of future discipleship for believers. This is the God of portals and liminal spaces, the God of the nudge to go forward of surrender, the God of yes, jump, step into the brilliance of world transforming God activity. This is the God of change, the God of transition. This is a call to a sacred understanding of the word surrender. Do you want to know or are you just asking? Jesus wants us to see into the hope or dream of a new world through the lens of death. And this is typical of John's emphasis on a new way of seeing, a seeing that doesn't rely on sight in the traditional sense, but advantages are seeing beyond and employing the kind of faith and imagination that sits at the heart of Jesus's ministry. Sure, the miracles, the bells and whistles are there for those who need them. But what Jesus really wants is for us to listen, to trust and believe. How do we press in to hope for things we don't or may never see? How do we listen for the voice that affirms what we on a spiritual level already know? What are we trusting for and how do we believe? The metaphor offered by Jesus likens it to falling, but this falling, this sinking in deep is a journey of being filled, activated and nourished, strengthened to grow, to live. That pesky and likely painful unraveling, the peeling back of layers are part of the preliminary process. There is so much more going on than what we can see. At the end of a conversation this week, a dear brother shared these words with me. There are hands, he said, as yet unseen, that are doing the work of holding you up. Hang in there. And immediately, like literally, before he finished saying the words, God gave me a vision of those hands, not only holding me up, but cradling me. They massaged my shoulders and temples when I was frustrated for a when I had to keep hard things. Those hands offered me a cup of water when I was thirsty and lifted me when I thought I was too weak to walk. Those unseen hands I knew were a part of my breaking and remaking And all I have to do is trust their power, trust the power of this unseen activity. I have to trust it because Jesus did. In my complete surrender to it, I am being made whole. Yesterday marked the spring equinox, the moment the sun crosses the celestial equator moving from south to north. And this occurrence marks the first day of spring, a season of spiritual awakening, celebration, renewal, our reconnection with the natural world and each other. All around us is or will be this evidence of new life. And yet while that happens, what is also true for us as believers is a reawakening to the memory and meaning of Jesus's death. As the world emerges from this quiet season, we get to sit with Jesus here as he speaks to us in the shadow of the valley of death, knowing this space between worlds as our holy habitation. It is a time for tuning in. It is a time for listening. The voice from the bush, the one that spoke to the prophets, the one that thundered from heaven in today's text now lives in us. Are we listening? We are on the cusp of great change. Life will not be as it was before. The way we navigate this world shifted in the summer of 2020, it did. The twin challenges of a global pandemic and an international reckoning with racism rocked us to the core. There is no going back to the way things used to be. White supremacy, the systems and structures of this world that center the voices and experiences of a powerful elite and implemented systems to support the continued inequity. Those systems are coming down. We've had a year to reimagine how we'll gather as faith communities. We won't return to our buildings the same. And I am glad of it. We are being called to change and newness of life to point the way for all who come with the desire to see Jesus. Jesus was and is the revelation of God. He is the ultimate sign, a magnificent marker to the wonder and transformative power of God. But today, this text, this little memo is about and for us. It has been left to us to point the way. Let's be ready to show them that the powers of this world are breaking down. That in our fatigue, we will not back down. That the troubling of our souls is not our submission to anything other than God. Rather, our commitment to see the dream through. Jesus said, the voice is for us. And after his death, that voice finds its home in the heart of believers. Are we listening? To ourselves and each other. Because a new world is being created and God has given us a say in its shaping. What will we let go of? What will we take with us? What will remain? Particularly now as we consider the world that was and the one we hope will be. There's an opportunity here. How do we return not to a world that was, but create and live into the greatest of hope, something new. In the 1986 film, The Mission by Roland Jaffe, Robert De Niro is Rodrigo, a mercenary and slave trader seeking redemption. He is a man buried by his identity, the glory of it, the weight and shame, the guilt of it. In the film, he embarks on a journey to a developing mission site in South America with a Jesuit priest, Father Gabriel, played by one of my favorite actors, Jeremy Irons. On their way to the mission, De Niro literally carries the weight of his sin and broken identity on his back. In a bulky netted sack, we see his sword and shield, his armor. It is his penance and punishment The things, the self-identifying objects that he believes or has come to believe are a blessing and and burden that he cannot escape. He looks ridiculous carrying this weight up the mountain. In the bag are things he won't have use for in this new world. He won't have use for them in this new way of living, but something in him won't let it go. When he is finally freed from it, surrendering it, letting the bag go, actually being stripped of it because he'll need help doing so. That action makes him free. This death to the person he was, on the way to the person he will be and the life he will have is no less than the magic of the grain in today's text, the seed that bears much fruit. In case you wondered, this word, this work, is about the long view. It demands a robust and forward-thinking commitment toward the dream of another world where the cosmic and eternal freedom of Jesus draws all to him. The seed for that dream has been cast and it sits at the center of the heart of each believer. That is you, that is me, it is us. It's a seed of hope that thrives on a certain kind of seeing, a vision it takes to believe beyond what we with our natural eyes can see. It demands that kind of trust. In this world, this kind of surrender looks weak. It looks like the opposite of hashtag winning it looks like failure, but this week we enter the story with hope and are called to consider this posture one of ultimate obedience. And Jesus' is summons to and his insistence that we dive into the both and of that submission, the acceptance of death and the invitation to life is the work of the cross. Where are you? If you're waiting around for the miracle. Miracles, tune in a little deeper and hear what Jesus says. Of primary importance is this death and rising to new life. It's a hard word, but Jesus, troubled as he may be, doesn't shy away from it. If you really wanna know and you aren't just asking, hear the message, the divine urgency of God's word. Hear it today as we grieve the tragedy that claimed the lives of eight innocent people in Atlanta this week, six of them women of Asian descent. We can't ignore the residue, the words left behind by our former president, words highlighting those lives as among the disfavored. We can't maintain demonizing and damaging narratives, narratives that say some lives are somehow less than, narratives that erase their divinity and right to life and expect anything different. Whether it's from law enforcement or empowered and emboldened persons like the killer from this week's shooting, persons of color don't feel safe and that is a problem. Violence and discrimination against Asian Americans is racism and racism of any kind is sin and that sin is one of those seeds that must die if we're to live into this new way of being. It is and will be hard, but it's work we can do if we don't respond to it in fear or anger. Jesus's sacrifice is built on obedience to the mission, an ethic of love that says, even if I don't see it, I believe it, and I'll surrender my very self to it. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. This beautiful metaphor for redemption, it's a story of repentance, and submission of conversion and recovery of vindication. It is a story of deliverance and salvation. Jesus in hard words like sacrifice and death. In fact, it turns towards them. It encompasses sin and brokenness. It encompasses our weaknesses and opens us up to the possibility and promise of a new and meaningful life. This falling into the earth has to be made real if we're to survive. It can't just be our practice of God talk on the weekends. That isn't sufficient. Jesus wants more. He's pushing us toward a sacred understanding of surrender and pointing us toward the hope of glory that we might be and do the work of love, pointing to God and the dream of a world not fragmented by fear, but one enlivened by love and creative imagination. To do this work, we have to hope, we have to hope and we have to have faith. Faith that something beautiful will come of what sometimes feels like an endless season of waiting. We have to have hope for something better to emerge. That's our superpower, that in hope we submit to the brutal work surrender, the falling into, the inward looking, the self-surrender, the dying, the letting go, that we might rise with Jesus alive and that our example would point the world to God's dream of love. This is all God's mystery-making. We can't live afraid of dying. If you're sitting here today and God is stirring in your soul, speaking to you in the depths of your heart, in places God alone can locate and name, I invite you to listen. I invite you to listen. Where do you see yourself in this story, in this moment? What do you need to let go of? to live, be still and know amidst the waves of uncertainty, the doubt and fear is an abundance of love. Let that love transform and change you on this broken road, in this unfinished place. Hear God's promise of life, we can, We will live, amen.